0: Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Do You Remember the Time edition, as I sit down with Bengals President Mike Brown to reminisce about the 19 people under consideration for the Bengals initial Ring of Honor class. Mike has tremendous stories to share, like feeling the earth move when Corey Dillon ran by laughing at the sight of a scrawny Chris Collinsworth with his shirt off at the NFL scouting combine and traveling to tiny Augustana college to scout the greatest quarterback in franchise history, Ken Anderson. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. The Bengals booth podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone tablet or computer by subscribing. On iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since learning how to type. It's been a long time since I graduated from high school. I don't remember anything about algebra or trigonometry, and despite taking Spanish for several years and even spending time abroad as an exchange student, all I can do now in the Spanish language is count to eight. It's pitiful. But the one thing I learned in high school that hasn't slipped at all is the ability to type. I remain relatively fast and accurate, and it's been an essential skill in my profession. So, thank you, Mrs. King, my typing teacher at Southwestern High. I've never had to hunt and peck, thanks to you. Now, let's get to the Bengals' Ring of Honor. This Monday morning, May 24th at 9 a.m., Ring of Honor voting begins for Bengals season ticket members. Voting will last until June 18th. That's roughly four weeks. And anybody that has season tickets or purchases them by June 18th is eligible to vote. The first two members of the inaugural class are Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz. The final two members will be chosen from a ballot that features 17 former players. Nobody knows more about the group. has better stories to tell about them than Bengals President Mike Brown. We sat down in his office this week to look back at 19 legendary figures in team history. The Bengals are adding a ring of honor in 2021. The initial class will include Hall of Famers Paul Brown and Anthony Munoz, along with two players that will be voted in by season ticket members. And today we are going to reminisce about the candidates with Bengals President Mike Brown. Let's start with your dad. Arguably the most innovative coach in sports history. You obviously have a unique perspective. It's your father, but what stands out when you think of your dad as a football coach?
1: Oh, so many things. He uh, was very successful as a coach, he was extremely organized, and he had an ability to cut through things to get to what mattered. For example, his practices were the shortest of any team mm. and he did that because he felt people could only concentrate so long before they lost their ability to apply themselves. I think that was uh, true. He didn't uh, break up his players and practices. They were almost non-contact. The contact they had was uh, just a play or two on fridays <laughs> mm. and the rest of it was uh, running against dummies everyone understood you weren't supposed to hit the guy you were, and they didn't they knew that they shouldn't and so the teams were healthy teams generally he was imaginative uh, he did things ahead of his times so that became Everyday uh, uh, Procedures for Modern practices The things that he did that were Different that people Know about Are the uh, face mask And uh, that Came about when uh, Otto Graham had his Face cut up when a 49ers player Plowed into him As they went out of bounds The next week. At practice, my dad said to the equipment manager for the Browns, uh, get uh, a face mask, not the heavy kind of iron face mask that then existed, but one that would be light and wouldn't interfere with Otto's vision. They came up with an extruded plastic bar that was as strong as need be, and that's what they used. It, uh, became the basis for what is today the standard face mask. It's a light piece of equipment and uh, it uh, provided vision. It, the, in other words, the vision wasn't interrupted or interfered with as the old style face mask seemed to do. He um, was good at innovation on the field. The, the plays they used The one story that a lot of people know is how the uh, draw play came into existence. The draw play is a regular part of football today. It first uh, was used by the old uh, Browns. It happened when Otto Graham faded back to pass and. Marion Motley and he collided one of them had to be wrong neither admitted to it (laughs) Uh, the ball popped up in the air Marion saw it in the air above uh, his head uh, reached up grabbed it tucked it away looked up saw an opening that was just a natural opening and ran through it for a good game and the next day when my father and his coaches were looking at the play they saw what happened they made it into a regular play. He had the uh, ability to see something that went awry and make something useful out of it. The other thing that uh, a lot of people remember about him is that he integrated his team, the Browns, that was when football was still uh, segregated. And um, He signed Bill Willis and Marion Motley. They were the two players that broke the color line in the old All-American Football Conference. That was in 1946. It took 10 years or longer for teams to catch up with that. Mm. And and it never occurred to him that it should be otherwise. Beyond that, he was... uh, smart enough to know that these two guys could play football and that would help his team make it better. That weighed with him, and he would freely say so. But that was good. I once heard Jim Brown said that was the right reason to do what he did, not some kind of uh, do-gooder reason, but because he thought they deserved the same chance as anybody else And uh, that was what my father did believe, and that's what he acted on when others weren't prepared to do that. So in many ways, uh, the few I just recited are examples. He was ahead of his times, but he uh, wore that in a very unassuming way. It never occurred to him that anything was special about it. It was just, uh, well, why don't we do this? It's a better way to do it. And uh, off they went and did it and it uh, worked and made his teams better, made them more successful than the competition. He uh, had a wonderful, clear mind. Uh, He was a great coach and I thought a great father. I uh, respect him uh, to my core to this day, I tell the story where uh, when he would come in the room and say Mike, I would be two feet up in the air doing whatever he told me to do before even it even registered <laughs> with me what it was that he <laughs> was telling me to do. So he had my attention, but he had the attention of his players too. They had a good relationship with him. After they played, he was friends with them they were many of them dear friends of his in later life but when they played uh, he kept his distance
0: and uh, he he insisted that they uh, live up to the code you made anthony muñoz the third pick in the draft back in 1980 several other nfl teams ruled him out at least in the first few rounds because he had had three knee surgeries at usc That decision certainly paid off. He is widely considered to be one of the best tackles in NFL history.
1: Uh, We think he was the greatest tackle in NFL history. Anthony uh, was well known in college as a top player. But his senior year, he was injured. I think it was in their first game. And he didn't play until the final game USC had that year. That was the Rose Bowl when they played Ohio State. It just happened that uh, my brother Pete and I were out in uh, California visiting my father, who had a home out there, and uh, the three of us sat on the couch to watch the uh, Rose Bowl, and we began to laugh and chuckle because Anthony was dominating. He just was uh, oh, I've never seen anything better. And and, uh, we knew we or thought we could get him. Well, he had this reputation for a bad knee and we asked our team doctor, Dr. George Ballou, to uh, tell us whether he was okay or not. And Dr. Ballou said in his opinion, he was okay. And we took that as the standard and that, that we accepted it. I think some other teams questioned it. Who knows? Anyway, we Had Anthony and uh, what a great player he was you knew it uh, the minute he walked in that you had something uh, special with him he had all the physical dimensions at the time he would have been a big man with long arms and more than that he had this uh, athletic ability that just popped right out He, he could move like a little man and he could bend his knees and he could retain his balance he was very well coached in uh, college, and he came here with uh, a style of play that uh, was right at the top. He uh, was a uh, equally great run blocker and pass protector. I remember when we uh, played Buffalo and uh, Bruce Smith. Yes, you remember Bruce Smith <laughs> was the defensive end. For Buffalo, sort of young in his career back then and maybe just learning Anthony was at his peak uh, ability and Anthony dominated him. He just uh, uh, kept him from getting anywhere near the passer and on run plays, uh, he he, uh, plowed him right into the ground. It was uh, an example of Anthony at his best against another player who became a Hall of Fame player. We uh, had not only a great player in Anthony, we had a great individual, good person, a person that uh, has dedicated his life after football to work in the community. If you know him personally, he's someone who's easy to like. You uh, are drawn to him. So we had ourselves a great player and uh, it's always a joy when you get uh, one like that. It just uh, makes everything
0: else work a little bit better and we were better because we had Anthony. A Hall of Famer in every sense of the word. So your dad and Anthony Munoz make up half of the inaugural Ring of Honor class. 17 others are on the ballot. We're going to look at them alphabetically beginning with a quarterback that you traveled to Rock Island, Illinois, to scout at tiny Augustana College, Ken Anderson. And here's what you wrote in your scouting report, quote, discounting experience, this is the best quarterback prospect I have seen in college. Well, I liked him. Uh,
1: The story behind that uh, amuses me still. My brother Pete was our scouting director. We were always talking about players. He said to me, "Well, there's this guy uh, out at uh, Augustana." Uh, I said, "Augustana, where's that?" <laughs> I guess there are at least two of them. There may be more, <laughs> but uh, this was right on the Mississippi River, out uh, of Quad Cities area. And uh, Pete had heard about the guy uh, from another scout in a conversation. He wasn't especially well-known by the public, if known at all. Uh, I went out there and uh, watched a uh, game. He was accurate. Uh, He threw the ball with what I call a classic motion, which was a tight motion, uh, the way you would draw it up. And uh, his release was uh, close to perfect, meaning the ball came off in a dead spiral. He was... uh, Athletic, He could move around. He could find people downfield. Of course, in that league, uh, the people downfield might have been five foot tall. <laughs> 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 There's the story of <clears throat> Kenny later in life. Uh, he would get together with his players from Augustana, and uh, I remember seeing him with <clears throat> the offensive tackle on that team who came up to kenny's shoulder about <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you could tell it didn't matter what the level of competition was he showed that he was special we brought him in after we drafted him and i sort of took pride in his being our pick we were out at spinning field our old practice facility and the first day Kenny was there, they put him out in the field, the coaches, to see what he would, could do, and it was just dreadful. He couldn't, he couldn't hit the side of a barn, and uh, I th- remember my dad looking at me as <laughs> 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 this process unfolded, but uh, nothing was said. We went forward, and uh, he of course reverted to foreman. and. Became
0: a great player for us. That's for sure. Up next, another Anderson, the great road grader at right tackle, Willie Anderson, a gigantic three hundred and forty-pound man, and certainly one of the best offensive linemen of his era. Any era, uh, he,
1: he was special. Willie was massive, and he had quick feet—the feet of a of a dancer. He had long arms. When uh, anyone got to him, it didn't do him much good because he was so big and strong they couldn't throw him off balance and he could uh, dance with them, glide with them to the outside when they tried to get around to the outside so they couldn't go outside, they couldn't go inside they didn't go anywhere, they just stayed where they were (laughs) and uh, we had uh, a right tackle that was as uh, good a right tackle as this league has seen uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame along with Anthony, as a pair. There was there there wouldn't have been two better than those two. Uh, I uh, am glad that uh, he's a candidate for our Ring of Honor, and I'm
0: sure he will be selected uh, soon. We move to the all-time leading score in team history, and the Bengals kicker for 13 years, wearing that little size five shoe on his kicking foot. Jim Breach. We came up with Jimmy. He was let go by Oakland
1: and I don't know what all befell him out there but he came here and he wasn't uh, long as kickers go but he was a great competitor. You could turn up the heat on him and it didn't matter. We'd be in a game where we had to have a field goal to win it and when he was kicking he didn't have much concern about it because he just was good for it he made them all it seemed that uh, might seem to the casual observer is nothing so special uh, why shouldn't he that's what he's paid to do they might <laughs> say well believe me that's not what most of them do do they, <laughs> they, they don't manage to hold up when the pressure's on But Jimmy did for us for a good number of years. I think he still has the most points of uh, anyone
0: ever with the Bengals. Never missed a kick in overtime, a perfect 9-for-9, Jim Breach. I've heard the next player on the list referred to as the toughest player pound-for-pound in team history, running back James Brooks. James was a player we acquired from... San
1: Diego we traded Pete Johnson who was a fine player and we got in return James Brooks they were opposites Uh, Pete was a big power back Uh, James was an off-sized fast quick scooter he could uh, catch the ball had wonderful hands great receiver he was uh, excellent running too. you would have misjudged him if you looked at him and said, well, he's too small to be a great runner. But he was a great runner, not just outside, but inside as well. And he did one other thing that was exceptional. He was a terrific pass protector. He was small, but he knew how to go about pass protection. He took these rushers on. They could be big people, defensive linemen. And he would pop right up into them and jolt them. He didn't back down. He wasn't afraid. And he knew which ones to pick up. That too takes a little bit of uh, skill. You have to sort them out. And he could and did. So he had everything that a back should have. He could uh, run the ball. He could pass protect. He could catch the ball and you referred to him as tough. Well, I don't know for sure sometimes exactly what tough is, but if you're talking about it, meaning a football player who did everything asked
0: of him, uh, James Brooks was that guy. In 1981, your top two draft picks were wide receivers. The sculpted David Verser out of Kansas in round one and then a skinny, gangly kid out of Florida in round two who turned out to be pretty darn good, Chris Collinsworth. Uh, the story on
1: Chris uh, goes back to when they had what was the equivalent of the combine in those days. It was down in Tampa. Uh, they weigh and measure players and work them out. Uh, They did that back then differently, but they did it then as they do it today over in Indianapolis when we have the Combine. Uh, Chris walked out on the, uh, uh, not the stage as it would be today, but uh, uh, he walked out in front of the assembled scouts, which were probably 20-some in those (laughs) days in the room, Uh, looking up at the scales where the players would uh, be weighed and Chris got on the scales and you could hear the snickers (laughs) and Chris understood he knew what was going on in their minds and he, to his credit, uh, laughed and uh, they laughed with him I uh, forgot what he weighed but it certainly wasn't very much and he was tall, 6'4 plus and just as skinny as you could draw one up. So when it came to the draft, uh, we picked David Verser in the first round who had all the measurables you could imagine. Very fast, good size, very productive and a player in college. And uh, then in the second round, Lindy Infante who was an assistant coach for us, the equivalent of the uh, offensive coordinator, if you will. I don't think we gave him that title. No one had titles back in those days. (laughs) Uh, He uh, argued for Chris, and uh, my father, who could say yay or nay on the draft as to which player we took or didn't take, uh, he... uh, kept hearing lindy when we were in the first round and then in the second round he didn't give up he still went on and my father said oh we'll take him too we doubled up on uh, receivers and uh, what a good thing it was for us that we did when uh, chris came on i recall being out at uh, uh, spinney field our practice site and watching And you knew immediately you had a special player. He was, uh, for a big guy, tall guy, quick. He could move sideways quickly. And uh, he had acceleration. He had top-end speed. He could catch everything. And he seemed to have his wits about him all the time. You knew right away that you had a special player. And occasionally you, you, you have that experience. Uh, you draft a guy, he comes in, and you just know you have one. Uh, and when you get the good ones, that's what makes your team uh, uh, special. And he was one of those, uh, a,
0: a great receiver. He played the role of country bumpkin early in his career, but went on to get a law degree He's had a great broadcasting career. He's the owner of Pro Football Focus, obviously a guy that's had a tremendous career after football.
1: Yes, he's been very successful in his endeavors after football. Uh, I, I remember what you were referring to, country bumpkin. Uh, he he uh, put on an act, if you will, that, oh uh, shucks, uh, poor country boy me. Mm-hmm. How could you expect me to know anything? Uh, and uh, that's when he was being interviewed by the media. But he wasn't that way with uh, the guys or anybody else. That was just something that he tried out for a while and to his credit, discarded uh, not soon enough (laughs) and, and became his real self, which is all you would need to be very successful in a media career and just look at the success he's had.
0: You know you're great if you force the league to change the rules, and wide receiver Isaac Curtis was getting mugged so badly by defensive backs that your father convinced the league to pass a rule only allowing contact for the first five yards from the line of scrimmage. Uh, So they say now. (laughs) Uh, The reality of
1: that one is that the uh, offense in the National Football League had ground down. The defense had come to dominate and back in those days uh, you had to pass protect with your hands against your chest and you had to uh, run patterns against uh, cornerbacks who could bump you push you cut you shove you all over the field well that made it hard to throw the ball and there came the time when uh, finally my father who was on the competition committee Don Shula, uh, Tech Shram, they were on the competition committee and they met uh, about the predicament the league had found itself in and they came up with the changes in the rules which allowed the use of the hands to some degree on uh, pass protection and uh, a limited uh, bumping a a receiver to five yards downfield. Well, that opened the game up. For most of his career, Isaac played under the old rules just at the end when he was probably at the downside of his career. He um, had the benefit of the new rules. But if he had had the benefit earlier, I think uh, he would have rewritten the record book, uh, not just the Bengals, but the National Football League record book. He was a splendid whiteout. He had uh, great, great speed. He, he was uh, fast enough to try out for the Olympics, and he was close to making it. Mm-hmm. He had great hands, and I've told the story, maybe you've heard it, uh, where he went down the sideline against Cleveland on a go pattern, and he was on the right side and reached up with his outside arm, his right arm, and just pulled the ball in with one hand in stride and ran away from the uh, cornerback. And later in the game, he did the same thing on the other side with his left Mm -hmm. hand and just two one-handed catches that uh, kept him right in stride. And uh, I've never seen anything like that sense, uh, let alone see it twice by one player in the same game. I remember Mm -hmm. we played Houston one time. Uh, We had to win to get in the playoffs, and he caught a ball with uh, hardly uh, it was like soccer uh, extra time. I mean, the clock was gone, Mm -hmm. and he caught the ball and uh, ran through about their whole team for a 50-yard touchdown score, and it was a great great uh, critical play for us. He was uh, a top receiver. Many people would say he was the Bengals' all-time top receiver,
0: and I wouldn't argue with him. We are reminiscing about the Bengals' Ring of Honor candidates with President Mike Brown. The team's all-time leading rusher is Corey Dillon, who ran angry, for seven years in Cincinnati and had two of the best games of all time 246 yards as a rookie and then 278 against the Broncos in 2000 an NFL single game record at the time I remember that
1: game uh, they couldn't stop us and uh, Corey just ran right over top of them Uh, It was so bad that uh, the next week they fired their defensive coordinator. (laughs) I I thought that was somewhat unfair. Uh, Corey uh, was uh, power back, and uh, when you first saw him, what you saw was a guy that ran heavy. Uh, He was a 230-pound guy, and when he ran, He had balance. He he seemed to sink into the ground (laughs) as he ran. You hit him and you were hitting a stump. (laughs) Uh, He had uh, the ability to run inside, the ability to run outside. And you say angry, I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but uh, determined, there's no question about that. And uh, he did have emotion. He carried it with him. He was our uh, top runner of all time. And unfortunately, we couldn't uh, hang on to him. We couldn't manage him. At the end, he got uh, uh, out of sorts about what I don't even remember. But uh, we couldn't keep him content, so we felt obligated to trade him. We traded him up to uh, Belichick in uh, New England. And for them, he took uh, the Patriots to two Super Bowls so he did it here he did it there he could do it period wherever he was and uh, yes a top player a great player
0: I remember you describing observing him I think it was at Spinney Field early in his Bengals tenure and it was like the earth moved when he got going
1: oh I remember being on the sideline and he ran by uh, after he had uh, caught a ball out wide and he was close to me and as he ran by I I honestly felt the uh, ground uh, shake underfoot and that uh, registered with me. I've never had that experience with another back but uh, you wouldn't have wanted to tackle him (laughs) if you were a cornerback. I can guarantee you that.
0: Two quarterbacks have been named MVP while leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl. We talked about Ken Anderson earlier. Now we get to Boomer Esiason, one of the most charismatic leaders in team history.
1: Uh, Boomer was a lively personality. <laughs> My first experience with that is when I uh, went up to uh, Maryland where he played college football. Uh, a friend of mine, Jack Schiff, and I, we drove up there to watch him. And uh, this was a scouting trip, I guess. Anyway, we're sitting in the stands, and we happened to find ourselves amongst the Maryland football coaches' wives. And the strangest thing would happen: they would talk to Boomer as though he were right in front of them. They would, "Oh, Boomer, why are you dead? <laughs> you know, it was just they, they, uh, and so the, and somehow they connected with him. Boomer had that uh, ability to get the attention of people and it came with him. He brought it here. Uh, He had it when he came. In in that game, he uh, injured himself badly. He hurt his shoulder. He uh, went out of the game and came back in the second half and and played. Mm. He was tough. He could uh, play uh, under harsh conditions. That would be physical injury or that could be whatever else but it, he was not deterred the players liked him and he uh, was a uh, leader that uh, they all respected for his abilities as a player but it went beyond that he had a way of talking to him and uh, they acknowledged him as the first amongst equals if you will They listened to him. Uh, The thing that uh, set him apart as a player was when we had Sam Weitz as our coach and our coaches came up with the uh, no-huddle offense. This was new to football back then. It had been used at the uh, end of the halves in desperation. But uh, what Sam and Boomer did was use it during the whole game. And this created substitution problems for our opponents. It was all within the rules, but it uh, upset the uh, coaches because they didn't know how to contain it, Uh, the opposing coaches. And they uh, worked on the league office to uh, restrict what we were doing. Uh, uh, That uh, made it a little less effective, but it was still effective and uh, we had real success with it. We went to the Super Bowl uh, with uh, Boomer and Sam, and that was part of what
0: took us there. Another of the game changers in franchise history was David Fulcher. You didn't see safeties that were six three, two hundred and thirty eight 238 pounds who could be used in so many ways before him.
1: Yeah, he was uh, a big uh, safety, to say the least. Uh, we, uh, Dick LeBeau was our secondary coach and uh, he took Fulcher and used him in a way that got out of uh, David what he had to give but that sounds as though I'm describing a player who was slow. Well he wasn't slow he was just big and when I say big uh, at the end of his career I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say he was actually at 260 Mm. Uh, tell me when you last saw a safety at 260 the uh, way they used him, the way we used him was we uh, had him up closer to the line of scrimmage as much as possible And not that he couldn't play deep, he could but uh, up front uh, he was like an extra linebacker and uh, he he would uh, nub them when he hit them uh, they were hit and stopped He was an exceptional uh, player, one of a kind. I've never seen one quite like him before or since.
0: The Bengals' all-time leader in receptions, receiving yards, and names on the back of his uniform is Chad Johnson slash Ocho Cinco. There was certainly never a dull moment in his 10 years in Cincinnati.
1: Uh, Chad was a a splendid player, but he was even greater as a performer. (laughs) He was fun. He did uh, things on the sideline, uh, in the end zone during games. He uh, made people smile, and they liked it. And he liked it when they liked it. That was fun for him, too. And so he came to think that was part of what he wanted to do. Probably we wished he had done a little less of it. But as a player, he, uh, he was excellent he had quickness he could get separation and uh, we had Carson Palmer as our quarterback and the two of them uh, uh, connected up on this uh, uh, we would call it a deep in pattern about 18 yards downfield he would break inside away from the cornerback or hook up in case they were in a zone Uh, they couldn't cover it and uh, he was. uh, fearless in there he, he, he would catch the ball no matter what the traffic was he, he as a package was uh, unique uh, you you had to try to keep your finger on him with all the annex he was uh, always d- uh, involved in and that wasn't easy but uh, as a package Uh, You take him every time because
0: uh, he could win games. Were there times and situations where you didn't want to laugh, but you couldn't help yourself?
1: Oh, there were times that uh, I I remember dimly uh, (laughs) the... uh, uh, oh, he would be on the sideline and, uh, I don't know, he would suddenly be kneeling and proposing to somebody or doing some antic. Anne- he, he had a whole uh, list of these things that he worked on beforehand. And, uh, They were canned, but you couldn't help but laugh when you saw them. Uh, They were better earlier than they were later as time wore on, (laughs) at least for me. But uh, I admit that uh, uh, he was an entertaining player beyond his
0: football abilities. A 10th-round draft pick in 1983 became one of the best defensive players in franchise history, a guy who led the team in tackles five times as a nose guard, which is unheard of, Tim Crumry. Yeah, Timmy came to us out of Wisconsin. He uh,
1: wasn't anything that we thought much about when he came. He was off-size small for a defensive tackle. When they went home, this was after the draft he came, when they went home, uh, we had a get-together with the players later. We brought him in for some work, and we didn't even bother to tell him to come because (laughs) we didn't think he could do anything much. But uh, he came anyway. Uh, We showed you how he saw the world, and he was dead right. Uh, He could do a whole heck of a lot. He became a great player. And he had uh, tremendous competitiveness. Uh, he just uh, would compete until he dropped. Uh, he had no give in him. He was a high school wrestler, a college wrestler. And that showed. I've always respected uh, kids, players who were wrestlers, because in my book, that's the toughest sport of all. Those guys. Uh, They can't quit because if they get quit, they just get demolished. (laughs) They learn not to. Timmy was that way. He didn't have any quit in him. And I remember, of course, in the Super Bowl game down in Miami when he broke his leg, and that was a tragedy for him and us both. Without him, we weren't quite the same defensively. And if he hadn't been hurt, we would
0: have had a better chance in that game. My broadcast partner, Dave Lapham, was smart enough off the field to get admitted into Harvard, although he chose Syracuse, and smart enough on the field to play all five offensive line spots in the same game multiple times.
1: Dave was uh,
0: smart enough. No one questions that.
1: But uh, that's never what uh, stood out about him in uh, my mind. He went beyond that. He was built like a football player the first time i ever saw him he was in his shorts on a training table uh, at the uh, blue gray game down in alabama and geez i looked at him and i said this guy he he's built like they're supposed to be big all over uh, he uh, was an excellent player and he could play anywhere you needed him but it uh went uh, beyond that he he, uh, has become someone tied to the Bengals in uh, his own special way he was a player for us and later uh, he was uh, an announcer for us he can tell our story he's been around here close on to 50 years as a player and as an announcer Uh, he knows uh, all the guys that were here from the beginning on and uh, he can tell about them. He's a good storyteller. Uh, I know this doesn't have much to do with being in the ring of honor, but uh, as a personality, you like being around him. He's fun, and uh, that isn't something uh, unique with me. Everyone feels that way. They gravitate towards him because he uh, just makes the occasion uh, happier. Uh, I'm glad he's in this
0: list that he's deserving. Could not agree with you more. Flapp was the starting left guard on the 1981 Super Bowl team. The starting right guard in both Super Bowls, as a matter of fact, was Max Montoya, probably the greatest guard in franchise history. Uh, he was a great player. Uh,
1: Max uh, had a cherubic face. You would have thought he was innocent as a lamb but uh he had a a, a dark heart as a football player <laughs> he showed no mercy he was he was rough and uh he uh, could dish it out he could take it he, when he was on the field there was no quarter given or asked but for us uh he was with a great group of uh offensive linemen that that group that uh he was a member of uh was my favorite of all time for us and uh, max could not only block straight ahead he could pull and run to the outside where he was very effective probably the best uh, pulling guard we ever had i uh have a high regard uh, for max he's done well with his life after football and uh I respect him, I respect him as a player
0: and as a man. One of the many great nicknames in team history is Leapin Lamar for Lamar Parrish, who scored 13 touchdowns on returns and recoveries and set a team record by averaging nearly 19 yards per punt return in
1: 1974. Lamar uh, deserves more uh, people remembering him than do. I don't know why that's so. Uh, During his time here, I think it was about seven years he played for us, he was uh, the most talented cornerback we ever had, and we've had some great cornerbacks, but he was also the best returner we ever had. And uh, the one story that uh, always stood out in my mind about Lamar was when he, uh, We played Washington here. They had a good team, and uh, we had something like three yards total offense. Uh, we didn't move the ball at all. We won the game. <laughs> we won it on uh, returns. Lamar, on one punt return, uh, went into a group of players that looked like a ball of players that he dove into, and somehow he ran out the back end of all this uh, accumulated group of players and went on uh, without losing stride for a touchdown. It it was a very odd-looking play. And when he came off the field, uh, my dad said, Lamar. How how did it look when you ran inside with all those players? Oh, he said, Coach, it was dark in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he explained it. And my dad loved that story, and I loved it because he loved it. But it uh, uh, was just uh, a description about Lamar who could do exceptional uh, things at his position. He had exceptional, unique almost quickness. Uh, He could cover like a blanket the uh, receivers didn't get open on him and he could play the ball uh, we had on the other side uh, Kenny was over there and uh,
0: we had two corners the equal of any team ever and Ken Riley's the next player on our list from 1969 to 1983 he intercepted 65 passes that's the most of anybody who's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame came to the Bengals as a scrambling quarterback and a Rhodes Scholar candidate in college. Well, he was smart, and uh, he was roommates with Lamar,
1: and he could manage Lamar as best of anyone could around here. Uh, Kenny uh, came here as a quarterback, and uh, we had Greg Cook. This was before Greg got injured at training camp. and. Uh, the quarterbacks would stand and pretty much watch Greg and it was obvious who was going to be the quarterback uh, Greg was the best player we ever had and Kenny uh, was standing there when my dad came over about the third day he had been in camp and said to uh, Kenny you go over there and that was the extent of the conversation <laughs> over there was with the uh, defensive backs and Kenny went and uh, proceeded to play for us, I don't know how many years, 13, 14, 15, whatever it was, it was forever. Uh, He was uh, a player with great composure. He could play the ball in the air, always poised, knew what was going on, was in position as he should be on every play. And uh, even though he was somewhat uh, slight in build, uh, he was a... uh, Fierce tackler uh, one play or one maneuver he had that was his alone I, I've seen other guys do it but not not do it as a regular routine or uh, 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 They would do it just on occasions when it Happened without thinking can you do it purposefully? He would uh, come up on these guys who caught the ball in front of him and uh, as they were catching the ball looking back towards the line of scrimmage he'd come from behind and hit him right under the rump and uh, they would go for a cartwheel in the air literally and uh, uh, not all of them uh, kept the ball when that went on uh, he would uh, dislodge the ball from them But it was a maneuver that was routine for him, and I've often wondered why others didn't uh, pick it up and do it as uh, just a regular way of play. It didn't seem to hurt anybody. They went for a ride, but they all came down in a heap and uh, got right back up. Uh, It wasn't injurious. It was just uh, enough of a blow that... uh, It caught their attention, and it would catch your attention if you saw it as well. So Kenny had uh, the ability to be rough and tough as well as smart, and uh, he's so deserving. Uh, Everyone uh, knows that he should be in the Hall of Fame and why he isn't is a mystery,
0: but uh, certainly he'll be in our ring of honor soon enough. Long before there were great receiving tight ends like Tony Gonzalez and Travis Kelsey, The Bengals helped Pioneer moving the tight end all around the formation with a 12th-round draft pick named Bob Trumpy. Trumpy uh, (laughs) had a uh, storied uh, relationship with the Bengals
1: as a player, as an announcer. He became a uh, public uh, figure here locally as a a radio call-in show host. Uh, He was good at that. But as a player, when he started out here, he was probably off-size for where we put him, tight end. But he could really run. And he would uh, take cover, too. That's when they have two safeties in the middle of the field and run right through it. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't keep up with them. Safeties couldn't keep up with them, alone, let alone the linebackers. Uh, he uh, made big plays for us. It helped that Greg Cook was the quarterback for him one year when Greg was our quarterback before he got hurt. And uh, then Kenny Anderson came along. Bob uh, caught the attention of uh, other teams that we played. Uh, Kansas City, for example, at that time was the uh, top team in uh, the league. And uh, they wanted to trade for him right away after we played them. And I always remembered how insistent they were (laughs) and uh, that was a no-go with us we uh, had Bob for a a long career here as a uh, tight end and uh, he was a receiving tight end but a willing blocker he would face up on guys and he wasn't afraid to do it
0: Uh, but uh, as a receiver he was as good as they came at his position finally a linebacker from your alma mater, Dartmouth College, who is a Bengal starter for 14 years, Reggie Williams.
1: Uh, Reggie and I uh, both uh, went to Dartmouth, so when he came along up there, uh, I was uh, anxious to get him for us. I knew about him, and uh, Dartmouth isn't uh, so much a powerhouse as a uh, Uh, football team and ivy league team i think uh, dartmouth did win the uh, national championship in the 20s one time (laughs) (laughs) but reggie came along much after that and uh, at dartmouth today he's considered the best player they've ever had Uh, here he uh, uh, was very athletic uh, very willing uh, very uh, competitive and uh, determined And uh, he was a steady uh, player for us for, I think, 14 or 15 years, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. He he played a long time, and he was smart as well as tough.
0: Now that you're going forward with a ring of honor, how
1: do you feel about it? Oh, the public wants it. And uh, on a personal level, uh, my granddaughter, uh, who works for us now, Elizabeth, uh, she's pretty keen on what the public wants, and uh, she told me so. So uh, we we are going to go forward with this. I might have had thoughts about why it uh, might wait for uh, uh, later, but uh, we're, we're going forward, and the public uh, uh, has reacted very well. They, they uh, appreciate the fact that we're going to have it, and the old players like it. That's the part that has uh, meant the most to me. They, they really uh, uh, perked up their ears when this uh, started. They want to be involved with it. It uh, is something that uh, gets their interest. So we'll um, try to do it right. I think it'll be well received. We're going to make it a process that goes on for a number of years. And we're gradually going to build up the players who are included as the years go on.
0: But it'll be fun as we go through it. No question about it. This has been a treat for me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I enjoy doing
0: it too. My thanks to Mike Brown. And if you're a season ticket member, perhaps Mike's memories will impact your vote. Once again, it gets underway on Monday morning at 9 a.m. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.